This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. New developments in the Surrey extortion investigation. We've arrested two individuals who we believe are involved in this extortion investigation. Plus, the vehicle of interest police are looking for. Facing the consequences of repeated overpass collisions. This is a sixth accident by the same company within the last two years. After six strikes, how long will Chohan Trucking be out? And acting on instinct to stop a robbery. I don't consider myself as a hero. I think it's my responsibility to prevent this kind of crime. The Good Samaritan stabbed when he stepped up to help and the impact of his injury. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with what RCMP are calling a significant development in the extortion investigation involving several businesses across the Lower Mainland. Two people have been arrested and police have identified a vehicle of interest. Rumina Dea has our top story. The two men arrested Thursday are in their 20s, both from Surrey. RCMP are calling it a significant development, despite the fact that both men have been released, no charges laid. Investigators now releasing a photo of a vehicle of interest, a white Audi e-tron between the years 2019 and 2023. Police believe the vehicle was involved in a shooting at a residence on Marine Drive in White Rock on December 4th. How it may be linked to the extortion investigation, we don't know exactly. Surrey RCMP say a team of investigators is working on the extortion file nonstop. Terrified businesses owners and residents started coming forward last month. Global News obtained a copy of the threatening letter which claims to come from an Indian gang. The demand, $2 million. The recipients given one month to respond or face retaliation. We're releasing information as we are able to, to not compromise the integrity of the investigation. While I can appreciate it can be frustrating to hear certain news and, uh, and believe that it may or may not be significant, um, I can tell you that this is an absolutely significant development uh, in our perspective in terms of our investigation. And in terms of reassurances, what I can say is we have, we're reaching out to our business owners and members of our society, prominent leaders, um, to uh, educate them. RCMP not commenting on how many businesses and residents have been targeted or how much in ransom has been paid out. Mounties urging the public not to pay any money and to call police immediately if they are being threatened. Romina Dea, Global News. RCMP say two people are in custody after shots were fired in Surrey. It happened just after 2 p.m. in the Guildford area near 101 Avenue and 156th Street. Police say no one was hurt, but two suspects who fled in a blue Range Rover were tracked down and arrested near 198th Street and 57th Avenue in Langley. Crime scene tape is up at the Surrey scene with multiple cones to mark bullet casings. Police say they are still working to determine the motive. Anyone with information or dash cam footage is asked to call Surrey RCMP. 
More fallout tonight from that dangerous overpass strike in Delta on Thursday that shut down a major Metro Vancouver route for hours. As we reported, the trucking company blamed the driver for not following procedures. Despite that, it has been suspended. But as Paul Johnson reports, the opposition says it's all just the cost of doing business and more needs to be done to protect public safety. Check out this pic of a Chohan freight forwarder's semi embedded in the wall of a Kelowna house in April. This appears to count as the seventh crash involving the Alder Grove Trucking Company in two years. The rest of them were collisions with overpasses, like Thursdays on Highway 99 in Delta. Quite frankly, I think it just boils down to driver. Lack of common sense. Chohan blames all of the overpass crashes on insubordinate drivers who didn't follow instructions and were then subsequently fired. As for the company's stunning track record in hiring irresponsible drivers, they appear to be blaming that on just plain bad luck. We've maximized everything that we can do as an organization, and I'm confident you know, that it's not an internal problem, yet it's an individual problem. This is so frustrating because, you know, legitimate operators, this never or very rarely happens. BC United leader Kevin Falcon isn't buying the trucker talent pool explanation. He says Victoria should have been quicker to slap the company with stiffer fines and penalties or change the rules if they were too lax. You make sure that the fines are so painful that the cost of doing business and operating in that manner is so unpalatable that they will obey the laws just because they can't afford the kind of fines that we would issue to make sure that this nonsense stops because it has a huge taxpayer cost on repairing these overpasses. Global News reached out to the Ministry of Transportation Friday for response to Falcon's comments, but Minister Rob Fleming wasn't available. Though in earlier statements to the media, he'd said the situation with Chohan needs to stop. And as of 4.30 Friday, he'd ordered their fleet parked, pending the outcome of an investigation. Though how long Chohan will remain off the road and what their accident avoidance plan is going forward remain unknown. Paul Johnson, Global News. A good Samaritan who was stabbed on Boxing Day in Vancouver's Olympic Village is speaking out about his struggle with an alleged thief. As Kristen Robinson reports, he was on the job when he saw someone being pepper sprayed and took action without considering his own safety. Less than four months after arriving in Canada, Miraj Ahmed is recovering from hand surgery after risking his life to stop a robbery suspect. Yeah, it was just uh, hit up the moment that I need to do something uh, there so that he cannot escape from there and he need to be uh, arrested. The 27-year-old who left his family in Bangladesh in September to study business in Vancouver had just finished a DoorDash delivery in Olympic Village on Boxing Day when he heard someone shouting for help and a suspect running to a taxi. He and another DoorDash worker closed the door of the cab before the suspect pulled a knife. The other person was trying to grab him, then he stepped back uh, in his back, the person, uh, and tried to run away. Ahmed gave chase. When I was trying to grab him, he uh, pushed me with his knife. So I tried to defend myself using my left hand, and it cut my hand. Uh, yeah, my tendon was cut. 
Bleeding from a stab wound, Ahmed kept chasing his attacker before another bystander jumped in and pushed the suspect to the side of the road. I just jumped over him uh, on his back and just pushed him to down so that he cannot move. The suspect was arrested and charged with robbery and two counts of assault with a weapon. 21-year-old Sheldon Ilbegi Asley is accused of pepper spraying a Facebook marketplace seller and trying to steal a computer graphics card before Ahmed and the other Good Samaritan intervened. I cannot move the finger now as it was plastered. After surgery on his left hand Thursday, Ahmed will be off work for weeks as he receives physiotherapy to regain full use of his tendon. Ilbegi Asli's family says he has mental health issues. Ahmed wants the suspect to get the help he needs, but believes he should stay in custody if he's a danger to the public. He is not safe for the people outside. Ahmed, who hopes to eventually bring his wife and three-year-old daughter to Canada, says he wouldn't hesitate to step in again. I don't consider myself as a hero. I think it's my responsibility to prevent this kind of crime. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Now to a case in Winnipeg with a BC connection. Police say a man who took four hostages at an apartment building on Thursday and ended up being shot by police was also a person of interest in the death of a Delta trucker whose body was found in the very same building. Jordan Armstrong joins us now with more on this bizarre case, Jordan. Yeah, Sophie, a lot of details. So let's start from the beginning. 34-year-old Farah Ali Mohammed, a Delta man, was found dead in Winnipeg on Tuesday. The long-haul trucker had completed a delivery to Manitoba four days earlier, and his family became concerned when he failed to pick up a return shipment. Those who knew him are stunned by his death. They say he was a well-respected community member who was a husband and father to three young children. Mohammed's body was found in an apartment building in southwest Winnipeg. Yesterday, that same building was the scene of a dramatic hostage taking. Police say a man armed with a knife barricaded himself in a unit along with four others, including a three-year-old child. The suspect was shot dead by police after all but one of the hostages had made it out. Now investigators say the suspect was also a person of interest in Mohammed's death, whose body was found just two floors above two days earlier. The male is known to us. Uh, he is a 52-year-old male. He had an extensive criminal record for violence and weapons offenses. He was on a, a few weapons prohibitions uh, at the time of this event. The investigation continues tonight. If police have a motive for Mohammed's killing, they're not sharing it publicly, at least not at this point, Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong reporting live for us. Well, the BC Centre for Disease Control is warning of a rise in respiratory illness after the deaths of two children. Early findings indicate the children experience secondary bacterial infections, which can cause complications with influenza. To avoid serious infections, families are being advised to get vaccinated for influenza and COVID-19 as well as wash hands regularly and avoid touching their face. If you are sick, you should stay home and avoid contact with those who are high risk. So some of the things to really watch out for are, you know, if a child, uh, you know, if a child has any pre-existing um, illnesses or um, chronic conditions, to just be on the lookout for uh, fever, particularly a fever that's persisting. Or if a child gets sick very quickly, very fast, other things to really watch out for are drowsiness or increased work of breathing. Um, and if people, if a child isn't able to uh, keep fluids down, that would be another reason to really look, seek out some emergency care.
The BCCDC adds most children with influenza will recover safely at home. If your child does experience any symptoms of concern, such as difficulty breathing, you're advised to call 911. The provincial government's law restricting drug use in parks and other public spaces has been put on hold by B.C. Supreme Court. The constitutional challenge means the injunction is now in effect until March 31st. Joining us with more, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Keith, lots of reaction to this decision today. Yeah, I think this caught a lot of people off guard. Again, some background here. This is the uh, uh, Public Consumption of Illegal Substances Act. It was passed in November, but actually not enacted since then. The regulations have not been passed by Cabinet. Now, the Harm Reduction Nurses Association has filed a civic claim against that law, saying it's unconstitutional, uh, but it takes a long time for a court case to work its way through the court system. So they also were asking for an interim injunction. And today, Chief Justice uh, Christopher Hinkson of the BC, BC Supreme Court granted that injunction, saying he agrees that the law on the surface violates Section 7 of the Charter, which guarantees people the uh, uh, life, liberty, and security of person. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian Dix and D.J. Larkin, the lawyer representing the plaintiffs. It takes away our ability to do what every other province does, which is to regulate uh, where drugs can be used. And so uh, we're obviously reviewing our response. But everything we do in this area is, uh, is, um, has two principal goals, uh, public safety and issues raised by communities and people in communities all the time, of course, and treating the issue of, uh, of addiction as a, as a health matter and not as a criminal justice matter. The legislation that BC passed would have pushed people into more isolated places, would have meant that people don't have the right to be basically anywhere where the public is welcome if they look like someone who has recently used drugs. That means people would be alone and isolated and at much higher risk of fatal overdose, non-fatal overdose, and other bloodborne illnesses and harms. So again, today's ruling doesn't really change anything because the law, even though it had passed the legislature, was not in effect because the regulations hadn't uh, been, the fine print basically, had not been passed by cabinet. So government now reviewing its options, including the possibility they could appeal today's ruling. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Keith Baldry right. in Victoria. The province is increasing minimum peace rates for farm workers who hand harvest crops. The rates will increase by 6.9% starting January 1st and will apply to 15 different types of crops, which each have their own minimum pay rate. They include mushrooms and Brussels sprouts, as well as fruits like apples, grapes, blueberries, and strawberries. The province says the increase is consistent with the hourly wage increase from this past summer. Well, it feels more like spring than winter in many parts of B.C. And while you might be enjoying the record temperatures and dry weather, the province is preparing for the worst. The ongoing drought and higher temperatures could be the perfect storm for wildfires in 2024. Richard Zussman reports. It's an ocean breeze missing the December bite. This is great. I, I just love it here. It's really nice. I'm from Ottawa, so... Um, coming here for Christmas, it's really warm. Across BC, as temperatures soar, records are falling. The warmest December 28th in Victoria in more than 100 years, measuring 12.9 degrees. In West Vancouver, 14 degrees, breaking a heat record from 1986. White Rock, 13.5 degrees, shattering a 1935 record. And there was a record 13.7 degrees in Seashelt and 6.9 degrees in a Soyuz both the warmest for this day in history. It's amazing. That's quite astonishing, although disturbing at the same time. That disturbance coming in the form of unprecedented drought, creating conditions perfect for summer wildfires. 
we're talking about temperatures overnight that are even up to four or five degrees, which is about 20 degrees warmer than you would typically see at this time of year. And it's not just the heat, there's been little rain. In some cases, the driest December in many communities across the province. Some places are at 50, 55% of normal, uh, and they're driest on record with places that have records going back, you know, over 100 years in some cases. It's impossible not to notice the impacts of the record-breaking heat and the low levels of precipitation. And this sort of dryness is everywhere, and it's going to lead to some serious problems. This year, if we don't get a significant amount of snow, uh, uh, might be even worse uh, this coming year. A nearly unfathomable statement, considering 2023 was the worst fire season on record in BC, and the government is hoping for a change in weather patterns, but bracing for this worst case scenario. Providing supports to people in relation to evacuations around fire smarting communities, and also around supporting our firefighting teams with training and resources so that they're able to do a more effective job. But effectiveness only goes so far when these records are fueling the possibility of even more flames. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. And with warmer than average December so far, return to seasonal temperatures is on the horizon. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on what we could see in the coming days. Christy? Yes, and thankfully, or hopefully, that means snow. Uh, Sophie, I just wanted to mention today now is the second day in a row we broke a record highs, 13 of them officially today, and I'll show you those when we come back. I'm expecting records to be broken again tomorrow, but just to give you an idea of how mild it was today, for example, Gwinnell hit 11 degrees. That is 15 degrees above seasonal for daytime highs there, 13 degrees in Victoria and 12 in Vancouver. Now, we are going to see a drop. As we head into New Year's Eve and beyond, we're going to see near seasonal values with highs reaching six degrees and it looks like we'll maintain those near seasonal values as we head over the next little while or over beyond um, for the next week beyond that point Sophie. Hopefully that means some snow for the local mountains and some more moisture uh, with those cooler con conditions. Back to you. All right thanks Christy. A Vancouver Island man is recounting a close call on Christmas Day. Thank God that slowed that rock down. Otherwise, I think it would have hit my truck. It would have killed me. Why he considers himself lucky, it was just a tree that hit him in just over a minute. He screamed when they found out that some that they found me and like they were just overjoyed. And a long lost song becomes an internet obsession. How long it took fans to track down the Vancouver woman who wrote it coming up later. Plus. A rogue wave sends people running. The dangerous conditions on the California coast still to come tonight. Right now, though, it was a Christmas day a Port Alberni man won't soon forget after a death-defying drive on Highway 4. His truck and boat trailer were hit by a landslide, which closed the highway for several hours. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it happened in the very same area plagued by months of wildfire closures over the summer. Right in the middle of the truck. If I'd have been a second sooner, it would have been the middle of my cab. When two large boulders came crashing down onto Highway 4 Christmas Day, Larry Horvath was driving directly underneath. The boulders shattered several trees as they tumbled down the mountainside, the splintered tree smashing into Horvath's truck. But the damage could have been considerably worse. Actually bounced off a 100-foot fur up there. 
about 40 yards up and split it in half. And thank God that slowed that rock down. Otherwise, I think it would have hit my truck. It would have killed me. December 20th, 2023. Horvath spends a lot of time on Cameron Lake fishing. Christmas Day, he goes out in his Santa suit. Passing motorists get quite the kick out of it. They honk, I wave. From the lake, he has seen the remnants of the huge fire that swept up the cliff face here in the summer. Highway 4 shot down for several weeks as crews stabilized the slope. Horvath says he spotted several flare-ups of that fire and wonders if there are any stability issues left over from the damage. After every storm, they need to do an assessment, close that highway down and do a proper assessment on foot, not a drive-by like they've been doing. The Ministry of Transportation says work is being done to identify a safe alternative to Highway 4 in the event of a future blockage. In a statement saying extensive work has been done, including rock scaling and other mitigation measures such as barriers, lock blocks and fencing to decrease the risk of rocks falling onto the highway. Horvath would like the government to pay for his deductible on the damage to his truck, arguing the province is fully aware of the danger on that stretch of road. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. When we come back, an annual plea. 911, do you need police, fire or ambulance? Or maybe a hairdresser or directions. The list of top 911 nuisance calls and why they put lives at risk. Plus. And I just don't think, you know, in, in a practical way, there's any solutions that are available because it's been so abrupt. How construction on a UBC Okanagan tower has severely impacted nearby businesses. Ecom has released its annual list of questionable calls. They include a missing nose ring and directions to a concert. As Alyssa Thibault reports, it appears some people need a reminder on exactly what constitutes an emergency. 911, do you need police, fire or ambulance? They're the people we call in an emergency. We're going to get you some help, okay? But some 911 calls are less urgent than others. In what's become a yearly tradition, Ecom is releasing its top nuisance calls for 2023, including someone asking for directions home from the Drake concert, complaining that an Airbnb host cancelled a reservation, McDonald's and Uber Eats orders taking too long, complaining about a pothole and more. A red light taking too long to change to green, someone losing their nose ring down the drain, I believe. Um, and my personal favourite is a bad haircut. While amusing, nuisance calls are extremely common. We, we all take at least a couple uh, a day. And have to be treated like any other emergency. Until we can fully feel confident that the caller is actually safe, that's when we can uh, either disconnect or uh, transfer accordingly. Ecom handles 99% of the emergency calls in BC and says so far this year it's received more than 2.1 million, a 13% increase from 2022. A number of those calls came in during the province's extended and devastating wildfire season. High call volumes, a lot of people in distress. It was a very unfortunate time for most of BC. Okay, I need you to stay on the line with me until I can get a call up, okay? Don't hang up. There's no penalty for a nuisance call or an accidental 911 call, and operators say it is better to err on the side of caution. We don't want people to be scared to call 911. We want people to use their judgment, though. Especially if a call left waiting is a real emergency. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. 
Still ahead, businesses displaced with no end in sight. I mean, on just a human level, it's heartbreaking. Why construction of a UBC Okanagan tower has disrupted the livelihoods of so many. And later. I love that guitar part. The song a Vancouver woman had almost forgotten about and how the internet gave it a second life. A co-working building in Kelowna that's been around for more than a decade has been forced to close its doors and it's taking a dozen businesses with it. As Victoria Femia reports, all the tenants have to relocate and it's all due to the construction on a nearby building. The damage to a Kelowna business so extensive it's been forced to close. The initial damage would have started around August, September of this year. It seems subtle initially, but it rapidly increased and grew. Colab, a collaborative working space on St. Paul Street, has been ordered to close by the city of Kelowna as nearby construction on the 43-story UBC Okanagan skyscraper caused significant damage. Okay, they've actually had engineers in and so the, all of the damage that's been incurred over the past few months is because of the excavation. The 12 businesses that rely on Colab as a workspace are now forced to relocate. The closure has prevented all tenants from accessing the building, many of which still have equipment inside that they can't retrieve. In on just a human level, it's heartbreaking. And so we've seen it both internally with a lot of our members, uh, but also throughout the neighborhood, everybody's been impacted. And I just don't think, you know, in, in a practical way, there's any solutions that are available because it's been so abrupt. In fact, Dustin Balcam, the founder of Rebellious Unicorns, told Global News he has $20,000 worth of equipment inside the building with no way of getting inside. Austin said he and the building owners, Kirkhoff Construction, are finding ways to support the businesses. For some of those businesses, again, it's a bit of wait and see you know, and look at uh, what discussions are had uh, with UBC and Kirkhoff and so on. And But every day is important to some of these businesses. They're running their businesses from the space. And so it's lost revenue and, you know, a break in operational continuity for them. Global News reached out to UBCO for comment but did not receive a response. However, back in October, it released a statement saying, given the scale and depth of the project, ground settling was always anticipated. With Colab permanently closing at that location, Austin says Kelowna is losing a big piece of the city. With 12 years history, it's like it has a legacy of many companies that are all about out there and part of, you know, contributing to the economy. Victoria Femia, Global News. More than 11,000 blood donations are needed in Canada before January 7th. That's according to Canadian Blood Services. 1,500 donations are needed in B.C. alone. The holidays often see a drop in donations, but Canadian Blood Services says this year has seen quite a dip. O positive and O negative are most needed right now. I often get to hear from the families of those that are the recipients of the blood donations and blood products. And there's nothing like seeing a family just um, so grateful that the products were there when they needed it um, to give them more time with their family member or to maybe make a treatment just much uh, that much better. People are being asked to book an appointment if they're eligible and even make it a family event and donate together. For those who might need to cancel an appointment, Canadian Blood Services says it's important to do that as soon as possible so that time slot can be filled by someone else. 
BC's top baby names for 2023 next. Plus, where will the first New Year's baby be born? The odds on favourite with betting now underway. And rogue waves prompt an evacuation order in parts of California. That and our forecast next. BC's coast is no strange to uh, no stranger to wild weather with a storm just this week. Now, intense waves on the California coast are getting a lot of attention. The magnificent display of Mother Nature's power is damaging seaside communities. Incredible video from the California coast. A rogue wave crashing over the seawall in Ventura, swallowing a truck, sending eight people to the hospital. I'm kind of just shaking. Um... Just, I'm just trying to hold on to positive thoughts. From Montecito. It is really big and supposedly getting bigger. To the Bay Area, waves as high as 40 feet are battering the West Coast. These are epic surf conditions that we're looking at. We've got high swells. We've got waves coming in directions we're not used to them coming. Evacuation orders have been issued for several communities as the surf surges past the beach and near homes sending water pooling into neighborhoods. It's a pure state of panic, to be honest, as far as the community goes, because you know there's plenty out there that are not prepared. The waves appealing for some, but from officials and frequent beachgoers, a warning. I would advise staying within your limits and probably not getting in the water. <laughs> You're on the beach, remove uh, anything underneath your house and consider getting some plywood and battening the hatches. But not everyone is heeding that warning. Multiple people have had to be rescued, including a state park lifeguard. Jared Hill, CBS News. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon now with a look at our weather forecast. And as you mentioned, uh, we've had record-breaking temperatures, Christy. That's exactly right. I would mention that the uh, system that you're talking about in the California coast, it's the same system that's impacting our region, bringing lighter rain. And we have had some waves, but it is the mild conditions. Yes, today we broke 13 records across the province. Yesterday, 11, the bulk of them across the south coast, but a number of them in the Caribou region as well. Quinell hitting 11 or 10.5 degrees, as you can see here. Now, here's a look at that system. There's a system there making its way across the California coast, but it's streaming that moisture up into our region. We are going to see a change in the days to come as everything begins to shift inland and we'll see the rainfall on and off across the south coast overnight. Tomorrow will be mild, but tomorrow night is when we're going to see cooler air mass shift in. We'll see the freezing levels come down into our Sunday morning also. As we head into our New Year's Eve, we are expecting drier conditions across much of the province, except for the southeastern corner of the province, which will likely see a few showers or flurries. Now, here's a look at your Saturday, though. Periods of rain and windy conditions across the north and central coast. Sunshine once again in through the Caribou, central interior region, and dry through the southern interior. Periods of rain and windy conditions expected across the Vancouver Island region. Highs of 12 degrees for us tomorrow. But as I mentioned, it's Sunday and then into Monday that we'll start to see that cooler air mass shift in. For Sunday, we are expecting a little bit of shower or drizzle through the early part of the day drier though it looks like for our New Year's Eve. Sophie, tonight's central windows weather window comes to you from Kelowna. Ed Burke sharing this photo with us. You can see cloudy skies there and barely any snow in sight, which has been the pattern mm -hmm. that we've seen for about a month now. So strange. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. 
All right. Uh, oh, just before we get to Barry Delay, for a second year in a row, Noah, not Barry, sorry, Barry, was the most popular baby name in BC. According to preliminary figures from 2023, there were 205 babies born this year named Noah. Other names in the top 10, Oliver, Olivia, Theodore, Liam, Jack, Emma, Sophia, Ethan, and Leo. Between January 1st and December 18th, more than 37,000 babies were born in B.C. And the odds are out on where the first baby of 2024 will be born in this province. Playnow.com says the odds on favourite is B.C. Women's Hospital, even though it hasn't been the home of the first New Year's baby since 2017. Other favourites mm -hmm. include Surrey Memorial and Royal Columbian in New Westminster. All right. Barry, sorry, <laughs> you were shut out again. Yeah. You know what? Uh, Noah sounds like baby Noah, I get. Baby Barry doesn't even sound like a baby's name. What, what was my mom thinking? <laughs> I mean, I like Barry. Uh, it's a nice name, but I'm just saying, you, they don't, it doesn't sound like a baby's name. It doesn't roll off. It's like, oh, look at wee yeah, little baby Barry. Baby Sophia, I suppose. Yeah, it's a popular. Well, Sophia is a popular. Sophia is very apparently. popular, yes. Yes. And I'll say this story once again. I've, I've shared it before, but apparently my name did used to be Sophia. Mm -hmm. And I told my mother when I was young, I don't remember this, but she claims I demanded that it be changed to Sophie. Oh, wow, you had a lot of power. My mom's name is Sophie as well. Oh, well, I like her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What do you have for us? I'm going to talk about hockey. Uh, Canucks fans have gotten used to seeing their team play great games this season, almost always. Last night against the Flyers was not one of them. Can you string a bunch of good games together? It's hard to forecheck all the time. It's hard to be in position. But they will have time to get their act together. They don't play again until next Tuesday at home to Ottawa. Also ahead. I never, never, ever imagined that people um, would connect to it in the way that they have. A Vancouver musician shocked when some obsessed fans resurrect her song, one she's actually forgotten how to play. on 2023. Hope you have a great 2024. Happy New Year. Hi everyone. Just want to wish you a very happy new year. All the best for 2024. From my family to yours, wishing you all the best for 2024. On behalf of all of us here at Global BC, happy new year and all the best in 2024. Don't you want to wish us a happy new year? Yeah, happy new year. Because I don't think people got the message from the six previous people who said happy new year. You didn't sound that sincere. Uh, I was. <laughs> okay. My face and my <laughs> attitude don't match. All right, take it away. All right, we're going to talk uh, hockey. Thanks very much, Sophie. Canuck fans might have been uh, a bit torn, maybe, watching the Sweden-Canada game at the World Juniors in Gothenburg, Sweden today. Sweden has three top Canuck draft picks on their team, including Elias Pettersson, the defenseman, and their past two first-round picks, forward Jonathan Lekermacki and defenseman Tom Wielander. Both teams were a perfect 2-0 going into this showdown. Now, there's Elias Pettersson, the other one who they drafted in the third round last year. He's been a physical force in the tournament as a defenseman, makes a really 
really nice defensive play here to break up a Canadian rush. And he's uh, looking like an all-star in this tournament. Meanwhile, Jonathan Lecker-Mackey, the first rounder from this past uh, June, takes a high stick in the face from Fraser Minton, draws a double minor, and on the ensuing power play, Sweden with a great chance. But look at the save by Matisse Russo, Liam Ogren, is robbed. Amazing toe save. Even Henrik Lundqvist, the uh, Hall of Fame goalie, cannot believe it. 0-0 after one. Early second, Swedes open the scoring, and it's 2023 first rounder Tom Vlander who fires the screenshot past Russo, and it's one nothing Sweden. So again, they cannot draft pick players with their uh, fingerprints all over this one. Then more Swedish pressure. Lecker Mackey, he was actually the 2022 first rounder. Lecker Mackey gets the assist on this goal by Noah Ostlund. So it's two nothing Sweden. Canada had some great chances. They had a couple of missed breakaways. And then this chance from Macklin Celebrini. Rips the one-timer, but stopped by Hugo Havilid. 2-0 Sweden after two. Third period, Canada trying to get on the board. Celebrini, one-timer on the power play, hits the post. Canada falls 2-0. Sweden's not given up a goal in their three games yet. Canada plays Germany Sunday in their final round-robin game. Well, you can count on one hand how many times the Canucks have been truly awful this year through their first 36 games. And last night was one of them. They were outworked pretty much from the outset in a 4-1 loss to the Flyers. But it ain't easy being great 82 times in a season. And the Canucks are confident off nights will be few and far between for the rest of the season. Centering the puck. Oh, to Smith's save. And they score on the rebound. For just the fifth time this season, the Canucks lost by three goals in a game. In three of the previous four occasions, they responded with the win. Yeah, we just don't want to make sure we're having too many opportunities to respond. You know, we want to make sure this becomes an everyday thing. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of a break here to reset. A reset going into the new year with a renewed focus on what got them to the top of the Western Conference with 49 points through 36 games. Now maintaining the second highest win percentage in the league will be a challenge for 2024. Can you string a bunch of good games together? It's hard to forecheck all the time. It's hard to be in position. It's hard to take a 30-second shift and come off hard. You know, you can do it. Some guys can do it for a game or two, but it's hard to keep doing it. With a plus 43 goal differential, highest in the NHL, holding top spot in the Western Conference, and early candidates for individual awards, there's plenty for the Canucks to celebrate, but have they? Probably not enough, no, but um, I mean, that's a good thing. I think this is a competitive group, and we're always trying to push, and we haven't had the uh, success in the previous years where we can kind of just let our hair down and um, you know, cruise to the playoffs or whatnot, so we got to keep pushing every day and keep getting better. My job is to obviously make it a safe environment, comfortable guys to come and don't get me wrong, but we can't be satisfied. And I think we can't let little things slip. I think we'll play without the puck, you know, turnovers. It's, it's percentage points. You know, we're, we're, we're not as good as that the last month, but we're getting results. But now we got to make sure it doesn't creep into our game where the results turn to losses. In a season where positive stats are aplenty, preventing a slump has been the Canucks' best attribute so far. They've suffered consecutive defeats only once this season and have yet to lose three in a row. Every detail matters. Every rep in practice, every meeting we have, every mental rep matters. Uh, and I think it's going to be more under the magnifying glass as the season goes on. NHL action tonight, Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets, third time in 15 days they've met, First uh, split the first two games. Austin Matthews just can't stop scoring goals, that's his 29th, great pull and drag to find the opening. 
Besser is second in the league with 24, but he's five back now. Leafs were up 4-2, but no lead safe when these two teams play. Port Moody's Kent Johnson with the cool finish to tie it. But before the end of the second, Leaf power play, William Nylander's long screenshot beats Spencer Martin, the former Canuck. 5-4 Leafs, and that's where they stand right now. That's actually late third right now in Columbus. Show you a fantastic save. UC Saros absolutely steals one from Patrick Kane. Kane's been stopped a few times in his day. That might be one of the best. The Preds depend heavily on Saros, and he's been great. 4-4 right now. They are in the third. Bruce Boudreaux, speaking of former Canucks, Team Canada taking on Finnish club team Kalpa in the Spengler Cup quarters in Switzerland. Canada up 2-0 in the second. On the power play, Chris DiDomenico with the one-timer from the point. 3-0 Canada after two. Third period, Jonathan Hazen, who plays in the Swiss League, will rip the wrister here. 4-0 Canada. Canadian team pretty much made up of pros playing in Europe and some minor leaguers from North America. They keep coming. 24 seconds later, Guillaume Asselin with another laser to the top corner. 5-0 Canada, and they are excited. Meanwhile, the Kalpa fans... Not quite in the party mood. Knitting anyone? 6-3 the final. They advance to the semis tomorrow versus uh, Czech team Pardubice, 11 a.m. our time tomorrow. Never seen anyone knit at a hockey game. I guess so. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps have signed veteran midfielder Demir Krylock. He played the last few seasons at Real Salt Lake. He was their captain and scored against the Whitecaps last year. He's 34, so he's getting up there, but still has some quality. And as you can see, he can finish. He'll definitely be a boost to the offense. The Whitecaps training camp begins in a couple of weeks. It's hard to believe. They're just finished, didn't mm -hmm. they? Wasn't Manny or Vanny just suspended? Yeah, getting not that long ago, running up and down there. the sidelines. <laughs> Doing what Vanny does. Yeah, so they're back soon. All right, thanks, All right. Barry. Well, sometimes the internet does a good thing. Up next, how an online community of determined fans found the Vancouver woman behind an almost forgotten song. A Vancouver woman thought her musical career was behind her until a group of international sleuths became obsessed with an obscure song she recorded more than a decade ago. Troy Charles sat down with the artist who was suddenly flooded with strange emails just before Christmas. Back in 2005, I guess, when it was released. In early December, Paula Toledo's email inbox was bombarded. Hi, Paula. Get ready for a ton of random people to message you about your song, How Long? It turns out a song Paula recorded around 2005 was the subject of a years-long internet sleuthing campaign. Is this somebody trying to fish me like a really sophisticated phishing scam? In reality, her song had sparked a thousand-member Reddit community. Video essays with over 75,000 views were made searching for the song. For almost 16 years now, a song has been living in mystery. See, Paula never officially released the track titled How Long, but she did license it for film and TV. For years, all that lived online was a grainy 45-second snippet of the song's course. Finally, one Redditor cracked the code by searching how long into the Canadian music copyright database SOCAN. People were saying that they were like, they screamed when they found out that, some, that they found me and like they were just overjoyed. Paula recorded the song in Langley with producer Jonathan Anderson. It was long forgotten, so much Paula currently doesn't remember how to play it on guitar. 
I remember it was a hard song to sing, like the because it's got a lot of range. Know, a lot of range. She released one album in 2006, but then became a mother, and her music career took a back seat. I think at the time, as an artist, I was very like second guessing a lot of my creative decisions, and I think that's why it didn't make it on the album. I'm really happy for Paula. Like most of us, kind of toil away in obscurity, you know, creating art and stuff, and. To, have, to be acknowledged by such a group of people with so much passion is pretty affirming. Rejuvenated, Paula says there's talks of working with Anderson again and releasing a new album. Thanks to encouragement from thousands of people from around the world she's never met. Troy Charles, Global News. It's a great song. All right, uh, final word on the weather, Christy. So uh, we are expecting rain on and off tomorrow, mild once again, but you can see in this five-day forecast a drastic change of temperature on the way, which is great news for the snow we need in the mountains, for skiers, snowboarders, and of course the drought conditions. Let's start off 2024 on the right note. Happy New mm -hmm. Year. Good one. Good pun.